Howdy friends, I'm Kaylee Wilpink, a small town country girl from Arizona who's landed in the big city of Los Angeles, California. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Cowgirl in LA. Come along as I share the lessons that I've learned along the way and as I continue to figure out who the fuck I am and where the fuck I fit in. It's a messy wild ride, so strap in. Howdy friends, welcome to another episode of Cowgirl in LA. I'm here with my friend Ivy. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) Ivy is my Twitter friend. I don't even know. I think, actually, I've got a confession. I think I used to follow you before I decided to leave the church. I was following a bunch of ex-Mormons. And at one point, I was like, I need to unfollow all the ex-Mormons because I'm going to leave the church because (laughs) of them. And so I think I went through and I unfollowed all of my ex-Mormon people. And then literally like two years later, I was back on Twitter, ex-Mormon now. And I was like, um, does anyone know any witchy ex-Mormons that I should follow? And somebody recommended you. And I was like, yes, this is exactly the person that I want to follow. Oh, I'm um, so flattered. <laughs> yeah, sorry I unfollowed you. But oh, that's fine. <laughs> all, no all roads lead back. You know, when you're in that like brain fuck place and you're like, I don't even know what I think. Right. I need to just like be in my own brain and not be listening to all of these people who hate my religion. Yeah. Well, and I was like, I agree with you. That was the, that was, yeah, that's hard. Is that I was like, I agree with everything that everyone is saying, but like, I am still, anyways, it, we all go through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I had friends in person who had just left the church or were about to leave. And I was like, I need to maybe not hang out with you for a little bit. Yeah. Like, I agree too much on some things. I was like, I don't see what's wrong with that. But that's because I, you know, was a little brainwashed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but other things, I was like, maybe we should just not talk about this. Yeah. So I guess this is my preface to the episode for anybody who's getting this far. Today, we're going to be talking about an Instagram post that's been making its rounds on the internet about church culture. You probably have recognized it's like a white background with some plain black text. It says like thoughts on church culture. And this person just gave some thoughts about the church culture. And Ivy and I are going to just kind of like dissect that post and talk about it from the perspective of an ex-Mormon lens. And so if you're in a place with your faith transition or wherever you're at, totally feel free to not listen to this episode. Come back next week. But yeah, just wanted to get give a little warning here that we are going to get pretty like intense on some details that if you're maybe not in a good place to handle that, you can skip this up. But yeah, let's go ahead and introduce you, Ivy. Do you want to tell me a little bit about your background, who you are? where you grew up, your whole story. Yeah. So I grew up in Oregon. I live in Arizona now. I work as a user experience researcher. So that just means I work in tech and I help make apps and websites easier to use. I am pagan now. I'm ex-Mormon and now I follow a pagan path. So I have some witchcraft stuff in my spiritual practice. And yeah, I have a five-year-old kid. And yeah, that's a little bit about me. Love it. 
And like I said, we are Twitter friends. This is the first time that we've ever chatted, but like, I'm excited. We've been going back and forth for a while and we're like, Ivy's planning a little witch um, get together in a few weeks and I'm so excited about it. Yeah, me too. It's going to be fun, I think. How did you get into that? So a couple different times when I was more in, I would take inventory of what my beliefs were and see if they matched up with Mormonism. And the first couple times that I did that in my life, it did. So I stayed. And then things started not matching up at a certain point. And I was having some other issues with Mormonism for a lot of other reasons. But one night I was just, this was right after the pandemic had hit. So we're all like in 2020, early 2020, where everyone's quarantining. And I couldn't sleep one night. And I was like, you know what, I just need to like, actually think about what I am interested in spiritually. And so I went and meditated. And I had gotten into yoga and some other things before where I had kind of practiced listening to myself and kind of growing my intuition a little bit. But at this point, so I just went and meditated by myself. Everyone else was asleep in the house. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to like have a connection with the earth. That's what my actual interest is spiritually. And I was like, Mormonism is not going to give me that. That's not something that's like, you know, you you don't go to like a Sunday school class that's like how to connect to Mother Earth. You know, that's not a thing. So I just hopped on my laptop and I was Googling. And I'm also a feminist. And so I'm like, is there something that has both of those together and witchcraft? That's basically what witchcraft is, is like earth stuff and feminism. Like I haven't met a witch yet that's not a feminist. So, And that night I read a book. I just sat on my laptop and read this ebook. And I was like, oh my gosh, like there's all these options I can do. Like I have an independent path. I could like do Wicca and have like a structured path as part of a group, or I could, you know, have this kind of eclectic path. And then I started realizing that like the stuff I was already doing was witchcraft. And it was stuff that was like really important and meaningful to me. Kitchen witchcraft of like cooking, healing, nourishing food. And I would try to explain it to people, especially some of my Mormon friends. And they were like, cool. So what what was that word? Like real, they're kind of confused and quite understand it. And it had made a huge impact on my life, especially when I was a new parent. And had a lot of like postpartum physical problems afterwards after I had a baby and had a hard time finding solutions to those. And then I found this way of cooking and was like, oh my gosh, this has completely changed my life. And it's like a spiritual practice. And I felt like all of these things where I'm like, this doesn't feel like what God feels like in Mormonism. This feels like someone else or like something else to the point where it like make me cry because it was so meaningful. Like all of these things, I'm like, I don't really know what to make of this, but. Anyway, so it was like, you know, I don't have to like go to church and do this like kitchen witchcraft thing. I can like just do the kitchen witchcraft thing. Why do I have to also go to church on Sunday? And so I like tested it. I was like, well, you know, this is the perfect time to test things out because, you know, we're all quarantining. And so I tested things out. And after like a week found out I was bisexual and I was like, I'm never going back ever and was and started having these really profound, empowering spiritual experiences and was like, yeah, this is the best path I've ever been on. I don't want to do anything else other than this. So that, maybe that was a little longer than you wanted, but that's that, was exactly, what, that was exactly what I wanted. And I had a very like similar, obviously different path. 
And one of the things that like really, really hung me up with the church was this idea that we didn't have any like feminine role models to look up to in the doctrine whatsoever. And I was like, if I'm going to be like my own God, shouldn't I have like an example of what like a feminine God looks like? And so for a long time, I was like learning about Heavenly Mother and like, actually, I was going to ask, are you related to Rachel Hunt? She like wrote the Finding Heavenly Mother poems. Mm-mm. Oh, she's she she wrote the these book of poems about like Finding Heavenly Mother. And I was just like, yes, like I connect to this version of like deity And I know that they say that it's here, but like it's not. And I was just like so hungry and thirsty to learn about like feminine divine deities. I was just like, where can I learn more about this? I also was like the earth, like, of course. And for a while, I actually was like, I went through a lot of phases with my like deconstruction and like feminism, like holding all of the things in your hand. And for a while, I was like, Heavenly Mother is for sure the Holy Ghost. Like the Holy Ghost is for sure Heavenly Mother. Like I had all of these thoughts that I had. And eventually I was just like, the closest thing that I feel to any sort of like feminine divine is the earth. And I did the same thing. I was like, okay, so if I'm gonna, like, if this is what feels more spiritual to me than anything I've ever experienced in Mormonism, like, what does that actually look like? I literally did the same thing I Googled. And I didn't want to, like, appropriate Native American beliefs. And, like, I went through all these things. And then I also, like, started learning about paganism. But I, like, haven't done much with that because so much of it is, like, self-paced and just like self-executed. And that is so beautiful to me that I can just like live my life in a spiritual way. And similarly, I was like, I feel really spiritual when I'm cooking and like close to Mother Earth. And like, what are the foods that I put in my body? And like, how do I spend my time outdoors? Just being like conscious of my like connection to Earth. And I was like, I don't have to go to church for three hours a week. I don't have to pray to a male God. I can literally just like cook food and feel really spiritual about it or like go to the beach and feel really spiritual about it. So I guess for the last few years, I've just been like learning how I speak with whatever is out there. Like, I don't even know what is out there, but I'm like learning this language or not even learning it, just like unlearning all of this other language that I've inherited from Mormonism and like translating it over into something that I've like always felt deep in my soul, but didn't have the language to like express it, if that makes sense. I love that. Yeah, Yeah, I feel like it's, that's been really empowering for me of like these everyday tasks that I do like that can be my spiritual practice. Like, Mm -hmm. why do I have to add this extra thing on if I don't want to? And like, Mm -hmm. it's, I was thinking about this the other day of like a symbol of witches is like a broom, right? Mm -hmm. And that's like, I mean, I would consider like quote unquote women's work, right? Mm -hmm. To like sweep the house. And I'm like, how cool is that to think about like women's work being magical Mm -hmm. and powerful? 
And like, instead of like mundane and like, oh, you have to do that. No, actually, that's like a power. What if it's powerful Mm -hmm. instead of, I don't know. Of course. And like, there's other things too, like music. And I'm learning that I'm like, oh, I probably like hyper focused on like certain songs and like probably put some energies out there because I was like super into certain music or like I'm just seeing all of these things that I've done throughout my lifetime that I'm now looking back and I'm like oh my gosh that is really spiritual and like also with the recent overturn of Roe v. Wade I've been doing a lot of reading about just like contraception and like ancient abortion and like reading Eve's herbs. I think that that's kind of like a common book that's being passed around right now. And just learning how like literally women can control the population with their bodies. How cool is that? That's pretty powerful. (laughs) And like for centuries, they knew what herbs they could use to control the population of a nation. And And I've heard that... I know it's I've heard also that in Egypt at one point they like drove a plant into extinction because it had like contraceptive even like light contraceptive qualities it's like this is not a new thing this has been around for a very long time it's been interesting also just learning about like how usually people historically who are considered witches were usually just like smart women who like knew about like science and had boundaries yeah and it's just like you burdened them like you literally killed them because they knew how to use herbs to like prevent pregnancy right and it's like of course they would like like I'm just realizing now that like just I don't know it's wild I think the the body the the feminine body is like so spiritual and I'm yeah it's wild have you read uh, Witches, Midwives, and Nurses? No, I haven't. Oh, you. It's really short. It's really, really good. Okay. And it talks about how this one theory of that witches were female healers and that patriarchy wanted to get rid of them. And it talks about like the growth of Western medicine in their absence and stuff. So it's really, really good. They'll probably make you angry, but it's good. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> as do most things these days. So just like add it on the list. (laughs) Tell me more about like what we're going to do for our little witchy night. Yeah. So I've run one of these before and we just kind of like chatted, got to know everybody, had everyone introduce like what their practice is like or if they just have an interest in witchcraft. And then we'll do like a little guided meditation that's like a kind of a visual thing. So I used to teach yoga. I don't anymore. And when I would teach. It was really draining for me. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I don't teach anymore, but that's a selfish reason that I don't. And so uh, my plan is to not like verbally run like a ritual, but instead to just like find a podcast or a YouTube video. Last time I did a YouTube video that was like connecting to ancestors. And then this time I have a couple that I have picked from Spotify. I'm going to listen to them and see if I like them. And then we'll just listen to it all together and then have time to share afterwards. I'm excited. I love stuff like that. Is that something that is open to the public? Can people join if they are interested? Yeah, totally. Yeah. My only thing is like, it's a place where everyone's probably going to have different beliefs and Mm -hmm. practices and paths. And so being respectful of everyone's 
unique paths that there's no like dogma associated with it at all. Yeah. If you guys, I guess we'll say this at the end of the episode, but like I said, I follow Ivy on Twitter. So her handle is Mormon to witch, which I love. Um, Feel free to follow me and probably have more get togethers in the future. Yeah, honestly, that could be a whole episode in and of itself. But we're here to discuss this darn Instagram post. And here's the thing, friends. I had a completely different episode planned for this week. But sometimes the drama, the tea happens. And like, I need to like change plans. So we're talking about the Instagram post because both Ivy and I have so much to say. (laughs) But on it. <laughs> yeah, we have some thoughts. Like I said, like I hope that if you're in a place where you're open to like hearing our thoughts, like that's kind of how we're approaching this. I think that there's this big stigma about like angry ex-Mormons. At least I'll speak for myself. I don't care if you decide to stay in the church. I don't care if you decide to leave. You get to choose and do whatever the heck you want with your spiritual beliefs and practices. And it's very complicated. I totally understand that. But I think that there are some additional layers to this conversation to just kind of further the conversation, go a little bit deeper. So we'll go ahead and get started. You can reference this post on Instagram. It was posted by someone named Sabrina Phillips Jones. That's her like at Sabrina Phillips Jones. I'm sure you could probably Google like my thoughts on church culture and why I stay and it'll pop up. So I'm going to read the first little section here and we'll just go line by line. Stop me if there's anything in particular that you're like, okay, stop. We need to talk about it. (laughs) Okay. So with the anonymous question trend going on right now, I've been reading a lot of people answering questions about why they have left the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm so grateful to these people who have been vulnerable and sharing their hearts I learned so much from them of things not to do and feel pretty well educated on unhelpful, hurtful cultural beliefs that I hope to help change going forward. Okay, wait. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I got a DM actually. So I was, I posted something of the anonymous question. Someone was like, why did you leave the church? I was like, oh, this is a good one. This is like a real question. I answered it. And then I posted this and I was like, okay, I put a poll. I'm like, who wants to hear my thoughts on this and then someone messaged me after I was like telling them like I'm afraid of people burning bridges or whatever and someone messaged me that I I met in the MTC I guess and she was like oh I'd like to know things not to do so she in this DM this person was like I want to know what I can do to help like Mm -hmm. what what can I do and so it's just interesting that this person in my DM said the same thing as her where they're like well what can I do it reminds me of something that I struggle with sometimes where like I take too much responsibility than what I should be taking responsibility for. I think I've done that because of like some of the ways I was raised where like as a, as a child, you know, you might not have a lot of control over things. So if you kind of make it up in your head that you do have control and that you are the one at fault, then it's like, oh, that makes more sense than why would someone treat me this way? So I think there's still some of that that I'm like unlearning as an adult. But I think it it just reminds me of this of like, well, what can I do? And I'm like, nothing. (laughs) There's a difference between like interpersonal relationships and like an institution treating people poorly. And the Mormon church has shown that they don't really accept criticism either from members or people outside the faith. 
unless there's like repercussions, right? You know, like when they had the revelation that polygamy was going to be done away with or whatever, they're not interested in changing anything. It reminds me of this like unhealthy dynamic that I had growing up of like, well, what can I do to help? It's like, well, your parents abusive. So nothing like, does that make sense? Yes. Yes. And just like at the end of the day, and I think this is kind of like the point that I've been feeling and like most ex-Mormons are feeling from this post is that it's like it, the issue isn't with the, the the mean Relief Society president. That's not the issue. I can deal with the mean Relief Society. Pre- I have dealt with the mean Relief Society president. Like I'm very opinionated. I speak for myself. I can handle that. It's this institution that is the issue. So like Yes, you can listen and try not to be that person, that mean early society president who says mean things. But that's not the issue. That's not why people are leaving. Right. And like, I was feeling quite stirred up after this post. So I'm like, I have never met an ex-Mormon that said they left because of church culture. Meaning, I think, or like being offended. That's always something you hear inside the church. Well, they got offended. I'm like, well, I think sometimes it was just the last straw. And they're like, fuck this, like yep. I'm done, you know, but that's not like the real reason that they're leaving. So I put a poll up on Twitter. I was like, okay, I want to prove my point. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and it was like 12 or 13% of like over 200 people that voted said they left exclusively because of church culture. So I'm like, that's not even what the problem is. It's institutional problems. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we'll get into it later, how it's hard to even separate those two anyways. They're mm-hmm. all mixed up together. I think it's really uncommon for someone to leave over like being offended by a one-on-one relationship with someone. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Okay, so she goes on, she says all of that stuff, right? I'm grateful for all that you do. Like, I'm grateful that you're opening up, sharing up. I've learned a lot from you. And then it goes, but. Okay, like we did all capital letters, (laughs) dot, dot, dot. Okay, but. After I left Mormonism, I was I was kind of on my way out of Mormonism. My husband had just left. I was kind of like in a nuanced phase. And me and my husband got sucked into a personal development cult. Mm-hmm. And because I have a soft brain for leaving <laughs> Mormonism, this is not the first. Honestly, cult. there's a few cults that I'm like, wait, am I joining a cult? Like last week's episode, I did it on Woo of Capitalism. Like mm-hmm. I'm literally taking courses on how not to join cults like that's how sensitive my brain is because i think it's been like three that i've been a part of i have not been out of mormonism that long (laughs) (laughs) anyway so so this cult we're in is a personal development thing that my my new rule is if anyone ever asks it's a cult i'm like let's just say that it is yeah not do it because yeah talk about they'd be like oh my we'd be at this event and someone would be like yeah my husband was like are you in a cult and they're like "Ah, no we're like oh that's so funny someone would think we're in a cult and meanwhile it's like 40 degrees in the room and we're freezing and have been there for 10 hours anyways so it was a neuro-linguistic programming group where you would learn how to do that and I didn't realize at the time how unethical that was to like hypnotize someone without their permission, just in like a one-on-one conversation or even on social media or whatever. It's really unethical, but I did learn a lot of stuff (laughs) from that, (laughs) from being in that cult. (laughs) One of them is that all the stuff I did on my mission, 
most of it was NLP without me realizing it was. All the mm-hmm. stuff that like, you have to read this word for word. We like, we're at this event and they're like, okay, so this is how you like scramble someone's brain and make them say yes to things. Like that's how the invitation to be baptized is. Like the one thing you have to read verbatim, it's just straight up like neuro-linguistic programming stuff. And it's crazy how they like literally are so adamant. They're like, you have to read this part. Like, you it's have so to read weird. this part. Like everything else you're allowed to like, talk about from your heart but this part and like how you have to make them commit to it like on the first time that you meet them and like then, that's what we were told like on the yeah. first time uh, on the first lesson that you give to a non-member is what we call them you legit have to ask you read from this handbook and it's like I don't even know what the, what it is but it's like will you commit to follow no, let me see if I can remember it when you find out that this is true Oh, yeah. That will will you um, be baptized by someone holding the priesthood authority or something like that? So it's like it's a weird question anyway, because it's like it's like if you were to go buy some tea at the grocery store and they're giving out samples and before they give it to you, like, wait, wait, if you like (laughs) this, will you commit to purchasing this? To a lifetime subscription. Oh, yeah, a lifetime (laughs) subscription. And I'm not going to show you the contract nothing and then so people are probably like i mean okay like sure but i just remember the look on people's faces i was like it's the spirit it's like no it's because of like the structure of the sentence like turned their brain off basically yeah and, like, and you're there like okay i was just thinking about this earlier today i don't know if they showed this to you when you were in the mtc the missionary training center don't know what that is <laughs> But like people would talk about like, oh, when I go into the real world after my mission and people would be like, these church leaders would be like, this is the realest your life is going to get. And just thinking about how on a mission, how it's such a weird experience and almost, I would say traumatic for a lot of people. And to like totally like not acknowledge that is so weird because uh, it's not the same at all. And trying to like convince people like it is the same some are like oh yeah you're right like this isn't real this is real life like no it's not it's no this is basically being in basic training like yes i'll give more context for our people who don't know so when you are a missionary for the mormon church you spend depending on if you're going to learn a language or not you spend up to like 12 weeks in this like what's called the MTC, the Missionary Training Center in Provo, Utah. It's basically adjacent to Brigham Young University. And you literally basically are taught how to indoctrinate people into the, the Mormon church. And if you're learning a language, you learn all about the language as much as you can. But so that's kind of what we're talking about. Like in the very first lesson, when you meet someone new. So I was in Italy talking to people on the train. I'm like, hey, can we come to your house and like teach you about Jesus? They're like, "Um, I live next door to the Pope, but sure. And we would come over and we'd be like, let me tell you about Joseph Smith and like how he saw God and Jesus. And God and Jesus told him that every Christian church is the wrong Christian church and that Joseph Smith has been called to restore the true church of Jesus Christ. And it's the Mormon church. And like, how cool that we have prophets now, like Joseph Smith, like Moses, like whoever. 
And so we would tell them like, hey, we have the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And if they were to be like, oh, cool. At the end of the lesson, we were like required to give them invitations. So like depending on the lesson, we would give it's kind of like homework. It would be like, here, read these verses or, you know, but we had like specific questions that we had to ask. And one of the like very specific rules that they made is they were like, on the very first lesson, you invite them to be baptized into the Mormon church. And, and also, this is usually like a meet and greet type situation. Yeah. Like oftentimes you're not teaching stuff. At least maybe this is what it was on my mission. I don't know who's yeah. there, where you're like, so what kind of expectations do you have for us as missionaries? What are your current beliefs? <laughs> Which like, is so random. Like if you just were talking to someone on the street about Jesus and they're like, so what are your expectations about this relationship? <laughs> yeah, like I remember seeing people's face and they were like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You're just at my house and I gave you something to drink. So I don't know. It's like, they don't know what they're getting into, you know? No. You're not like, okay, so we're going to teach you a series of seven lessons or however many it is. They don't know that we're going home after this, writing their name down in a book, their address, their phone number, how many children they have, any details we have about them. All details about them. We pray about them like two or three times a day. We go to meetings, report about talk- them. Talk about it's so them. creepy, right? When you say it like that. <laughs> And then we're like every week, like trying to figure out how quickly we can get them baptized. And then as soon as they're baptized, we basically just ditch them and go do the process all over again. Mm -hmm. And then I would get mad at the members for not loving them enough. Yeah. (laughs) But they would inevitably stop coming because everyone loved bomb them at the beginning and now they're right. Yeah. Honestly, I should do a whole lesson on missionary work, but we're talking about this Instagram post. Anyways, (laughs) I found it. It just says, will you be baptized a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on insert date? This is the first time you meet them. You ask them, will you be baptized a member of the Mormon Church on August 31st? Will you be confirmed and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost? You ask them that like within minutes of talking to them. So I I found another place in it that has it a little bit different in there. It says the invitation to be baptized and confirmed should be specific and direct. So they're saying like, you need to read this word for word, which you do. And so will you follow the example of Jesus Christ and be baptized by someone holding the priesthood authority of God? We will be holding a baptismal service on date. Will you prepare yourself to be baptized on that date? So We memorized this. I was in Italy. I memorized this in a different language, word for word. So (laughs) with the neurolinguistic programming stuff, by saying like, will you follow? So it's like this future tense thing. Will you follow the example of Jesus Christ? By being baptized, and that's like current tense, right? By someone holding the priesthood authority of God. Like that, like the switchy aroundy stuff, is part of what makes their brain kind of turn off. And so they're like, yeah. And also this is just straight up sales here of like, we're already holding a service on this date. Yeah. So like might as well come. Yeah. I would use that in door knocking too. We're going to be in your area on this time. Can we just stop by? And they're like, yes. Like, (laughs) 
it's it's there's a lot to deconstruct there when you say but it means you're negating everything you just said it's funny now because i listen to people yeah there's there's some people i listen to and i'm like wow you are so disingenuous because you just keep saying but all the time you don't mean anything that you're saying the fact that she puts a big but there even in all caps which is weird is showing me that she doesn't mean anything that she just said. No. She's not grateful for any ex-Mormons sharing their story. And the fact that it. she's making a post out of it means that she was hurt and offended. And the fact that so many people shared it means that they were all hurt and offended by people sharing that they had left a church. You know, it's so funny because... I don't know. I always thought it was probably the same for other people's religions to leave. It was a really big deal. I had a Christian therapist when I was living in Tennessee. And she's like, she's like, you know, it's not a big deal for other people to leave their Christian church. They just like leave. Stop going. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, I don't, I don't know. I was, I was thinking like, well, it can't possibly be that simple. And then I went to a Unitarian Universalist church a few weeks ago. And I went just once and they were like, oh, nice to meet you, la, la, And they were really nice, you know, just kind of normal people. And then I haven't gone back for a number of reasons. It wasn't anything because like they did wrong or anything. And they didn't bother me. Like nothing happened, you know. But if you were to do that in a Mormon setting, that's not how it would go down. Well, and I think the irony of it, especially being in L.A., people will ask me that I'll say, oh, yeah, I left the Mormon church. And they're like, oh, do your family still talk to you? That's the first question I always get. Does your family still talk to you? I think the lines are really blurred for them about like which Mormon sector it is because there's so much about like Warren Jeffs and like all of these other cults. And I think people also think of it like Jehovah's Witness, which yes, all in those same eras. But the thing that's different about the Mormon church is that in their brain, they have exiled you in a way, but because they have this like robotic kindness to them, they say that they don't. So like, no, my family hasn't come out and said X, Y, and Z, I'm not allowed to come back, which that does happen. I'm not disclaiming that, but I think for a lot of people, their friends aren't going to say oh my gosh, stop being my friend because you left the church. That hasn't happened to me personally. But they have this way of talking about it that's like gaslighty, which is exactly this post. Like, oh my gosh, Kaylee, I'm so proud of you. Like, I'm so happy that you're happy. It's good for you for doing this. You're allowed to believe what you believe. So good for you. But... <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> and like, I don't know. Anyways, so we'll get into the next slide. I'm going to read it. Okay. So she says, but I'm afraid that a message is spreading that church culture sucks. Dot, dot, dot. And who would want to be part of an organization full of mean, judgmental, small-minded people? I actually think the culture is so much better than we give it credit for. But the stories of bad bishops or the mean lady in Relief Society are getting shouted from the rooftops. Don't get me wrong. Let's bring it up so that change can happen. But let's not drown out the good. There is so much good. 
in all capitals. Yeah. So we've touched briefly on this, this idea of the Mean Relief Society president, bishop, whatever. I saw a lot of those NGL posts. I was one of the people who had an NGL post where someone asked me, why did you leave the church? Not one of us were like, it was because of the Mean Relief Society president. (laughs) I didn't see one post that said that. She's not making this post because of the NGL thing. She's making this because in her mind, that's what she thinks people are leaving the church for. Like what she is saying is happening is not happening. Yeah. And it's also like, if that was the reason they would be like a person who left the church would be like, you know, the Book of Mormon's true. Joseph Smith is a prophet of God. I just can't stand that lady or early society. Yeah. But they don't say things like that. You know, no. people who leave don't say things like that. I've never met anyone. And if they do feel that way, they probably are going to a different Mormon sect, like Church of Christ or something. Yep. Yeah. So I think the interesting part here is talking about, let's not drown out the good. There is so much good. And she goes on to say, let's talk more about youth getting together to pull weeds for widows in their free time. Let's talk about the miracle of ministering to have a support system no matter where we go in the world. Let's talk about prayer and how it heals us and connects us to heaven. Let's talk about how our families can be together forever, all uppercase. Let's talk about the power and protection of covenants. Let's talk about Jesus, his strength and love and power he gives us. I choose, oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we got a lot to dissect. Yeah, so my thing with this is I don't see anything, well... I think almost all of these are not exclusive to Mormonism. Mm-hmm. Is thing. The covenants thing, I think, would be like a religious belief that you would believe is only found in Mormonism. But I think like doing service projects, ministering, I guess like the structure of ministering is probably only found in Mormonism. But there are other systems like that out there that can be found elsewhere. Prayer has nothing to do with organized religion and families being together forever. I think the average person you ask about families being together forever says, would be like, of course, I'm going to be with my family when I die. Like that wouldn't make sense for me not to be. And like Mormonism has this extra step that no one else thinks that there needs to be there. Like I remember when I was on my mission, we had this family that we were friends with a wife and we were trying to turn her into an investigator so that she would like take lessons from us. But we were kind of just that's friends. what we call you. Like you're <laughs> yeah, there's a name for you. If you're meeting around you, we call you an investigator. And if that's not weird, then <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> and like it's we knew it was weird. So we wouldn't tell you. you were. <laughs> yeah. And if someone at church called you an investigator, we'd be like, Shh. <laughs> don't don't say that in front of them. <laughs> we just say it behind their back. <laughs> um, we'd say it in councils in meetings about with, you <laughs> where there's like 20 people where we didn't tell you we were talking about you and we told them all of your deep dark secrets that you told us we yeah. told about your divorce um, we told them about <laughs> we are friends with this lady and we're trying to get her to you know want to do lessons but her life was so perfect that she had no reason to change anything and so we're like, well, you love your family, right? Don't you want to be with them when you die? And like, you have to get sealed. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm going to be with my family when I die. And we're and like, like, oh, you don't know about that? Oh, poor you. you just, oh, you don't know that like families can be together forever? 
can. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) let me tell you. Yeah. So can you explain the concept of forever families? Yeah. Okay. So brief overview of the plan of salvation, which (laughs) is the Mormon way of phrasing like what happens before, during and after you die or not, not while you're dying. So like while you're alive and, you know, after you die. Um, There's like an an in-between place. Right. Yes. So during. So you die, you go to either spirit prison or spirit paradise, where you have a chance to get baptized. They believe that there are spirit missionaries preaching to people and they will hear, they will do baptisms for people without their permission, like baptisms on behalf of dead people without their permission. Yeah, that happens. And then in the temple, this is what happens in the temple. Yeah, this is what happens in the temple. One of the many things that happens there. So then after that, Jesus is going to come and you get, you have like resurrection and final judgment and you get put into one of three places. Celestial kingdom is like MVP heaven where God lives. And then the next level is terrestrial kingdom. And the next is telestial kingdom. And I don't know why their names have to be so weird, but they are. I just remember sea turtle. I was thinking that in my head. That's how we remember Celestial, terrestrial, telestial. Yes. And so the qualifications to get into mega heaven or the celestial kingdom to live with God is that you have to be sealed with your family. Which means that you, a man and a woman, get married in the Mormon temple. And any of their children born to them while they are worthy to like hold a temple recommend will be with them forever. Yeah. But only if the man and the woman get married in the temple and they have to go through what's called a temple recommend interview to get a little piece of paper with a, like a barcode on it. So like you can't go into the Mormon temple unless you have this little piece of paper. And there's like 10, 10 or 15 questions. There's so many yeah. layers here. So, well, I'll just give you a highlight. If you yeah. Google Temple Recommend Questions LDS, they'll all come up. So some of them are about faith, like your beliefs. You need to have beliefs that line up with them about Jesus and God. So you have to be paying your tithing, which is 10% of your income. You need to be following their dietary code, which is no alcohol, no illicit substances they don't care about prescription drugs though yeah those are fine don't care about that opioids Um, are good yeah (laughs) (laughs) no like coffee tea no coffee or tea i mean i don't think you'd probably be going to a mormon service if you were using drugs but you're not supposed to be doing that so according to mormonism so yeah coffee tea and alcohol are the big ones though so when you go through the temple the first time meaning you like make some certain promises in there, you get special underwear to wear to remember that you did that. <laughs> and you have to be wearing them all the time. You're not supposed to take them off, really, unless you're like showering or whatever. You also have to, they call it the law of chastity, which is, there's a lot of jargon in this. I'm sorry about that. I'm trying to like decode. No, it is what it is. It, Okay, so when I was a missionary, I would explain this to people almost like it was a medical procedure where I'd be like, <laughs> like you're just very cut and dry. The law of chastity is that sex should only happen between a man and a woman in a marriage, in a legal marriage. And like, okay, that's not so bad. No. So that means that excludes LGBTQ people. It excludes any type of healthy sexuality. 
my two favorite are these questions that they're like, do you sustain Joseph Smith as a prophet and seer and revelator and the head of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day? And so like you have to have this like absolute sustaining in obedience to the prophets. And like, if you don't, if you say, no, I have questions about the prophets, they could deny you this piece of paper. Another one that I thought was really interesting that I always was like, why? They were like, do you support any other organization that teachings are contrary to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? So basically, like, basically, they're asking me if I'm a Democrat. <laughs> oh, really? I, I thought that. that together. I thought that. Like, I was like, oh, I'm not allowed to be a Democrat. And I remember on my mission, my first companion, she was like talking about how she voted for Obama. And I was like, we're allowed to do that? Like, we're allowed to vote Democrat? I thought that was against the rules. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we had like one Democratic family in my ward growing up, in like our congregation growing up. And everyone kind of thought they were weird. Yeah. The only family. Yeah, I know. So the only way sure. you can have a forever family is if you answer correctly to all of these questions, you wear your garments, you pay your 10%, you don't drink or eat the substances, you have obedience to the prophet, and then you have an interview with two different men, the bishop and the state president. They sign a little piece of paper that has a barcode. You go to the temple, they scan the barcode, they let you in they let you do the marriage ceremony that's different than like a civil ceremony. Like there's like an altar, you wear different clothes. Like it's very much a religious ceremony. Only if you do that, can your family be together forever. And so we would use that as like a thing. We would be like, don't you want your family to be together forever? Don't you want to jump through all these hoops? <laughs> to me, it feels like one of those situations where they created the problem and they're like, oh my gosh, look, we have the solution. Isn't that great? Like, yeah, but you created the problem. Yeah. Wasn't well, a problem. well, and this isn't even talking about how Black members weren't allowed to hold temple recommends until the 1970s. The church started in the 1800s. So for a very long time, they were like, yeah, people can be together forever if they follow all these rules. but you can't if you're black. Yeah. And it's also like before they could do that, like Joseph Smith had a black woman sealed to him to be his like servant in the next life. Well, and the irony sealed, of all I mean, this is that like they keep, this is the thing about all of these, like I'm jumping to a conclusion over all of this stuff, but like Mormons are very good at writing everything down and like publishing it on the internet and making it very available. Like it's a very big part of being a member of the church. Like twice a year, you spend 10 hours watching the prophets give speeches. And then the rest of the year, you like comb through these speeches because you literally believe that God is speaking through these men. The reason why a lot of ex-Mormons are like so passionate about this thing at least for me, like I was so in it and I combed through everything. I lived for general conference, loved it, ate it up. And so I combed through all of these details. And like, we're also very good at family history because we believe in this sealing process and that you can only go to heaven if you're sealed with people. They keep very, very good records 
of who was baptized, when, when they were sealed. And then we do that work for dead people. Like literally Mormons believe that their purpose on this earth is to do research about every human that has ever died and get baptized in their behalf to try and make sure that they have the opportunity to have a forever family. To me, it is so insulting because they have their own faith. And if they really believed in agency and the ability to choose, they would have some type of like high up calling that was like the church medium or something who would contact dead people and be like, do you want this? And the the dead person would say yes or no, but they don't care because they just baptize everybody. And on their records, all these dead people are now Mormon. And they're like, they have their work done, as they say. When the question comes up of like, what if these dead people didn't want to be baptized? They're like, oh, well, they'll just reject it. It's all good. There's always an answer. There's always an answer. But it's like, yeah, but on your records, you say that they're Mormon. And that as a living person, if they were to be like, wow, Ivy's Mormon, it would hurt a lot to be like, no, I'm not. I have serious issues with this organization. So why would that? I mean, I believe in like spirits and beings after death. So for me, I'm like, why would it be any different after I'm dead? Mm-hmm. There was one other thing in these church recommend interview that I wanted to touch on was um, they ask, do you follow the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ in your private and public behavior with members of your family and others? So this I think is their catch-all for abuse in families. However, they don't follow up on any of this. So I think that the Mormon faith is a place for narcissistic, abusive men to hang out and feel very validated in their opinions and actions. Like my mom's been married to a couple men that are Mormon and put on a good face at church. And then honestly, are kind of leaning into some of the Mormon misogyny, like it makes sense in this like really horrible train of thought that they act this way and they feel justified by what they do. In Mormonism, there's so many things that they take stances on. I'm like, you know, something you could take a stance on is like spousal abuse or anything like that. And that you could be like, you know what, when this happens, you are not part of our congregation anymore. You are excommunicated. We do not put up with that. We are here to support families because they're all about families. So if you really believed that and that was really a core tenet of supporting families, then you would take a stance on something like this. But they don't care. Mm -mm. Not at all. That's the irony of so much of it. That's the one word I have for all of Mormonism. It's ironic. It's so ironic. There's so many things that are like, hmm, that's a really convenient answer. But also... Like this idea, like we're talking about all of these very negative parts of the church that we're very aware of. And like we knew about these things as children. It's not that they didn't talk about these things. We knew all of these things. There was just a justification for why all of those things. And it was all in the name of families. And so it was a really, really easy, like this doctrine about families can be together forever is honestly the most manipulative part of all of it because it's fear-mongering. It's fear-mongering against like children and parents and like the family unit. It's just, it's wild. And it's also like, how are you supposed to argue with that? Yeah. 
How are you supposed to be like, you know what I really want? I want families to be ripped apart and I want children crying and I want, you know what I mean? Like, no yeah. one can say that. But then now as I'm here on this other side, I'm like, I, I kind of feel like that, like, it's all about the family is is this dog whistle thing that I didn't know was a dog whistle before mm-hmm. of like anti-LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that that's what they were saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm also thinking of this time. So I had an investigator on her mission. He actually ended up just like having a crush on me, which happens frequently. Like you'll find someone that's like, they say that they're interested and they're like, yeah, come over whenever. And I'm like the most gullible person. And I'm like, you want to learn? Oh my gosh. Yes. Let's teach you about it. And the whole time he just had a crush on me. Right. But we would like for real talk about it because obviously I was like very passionate about it. And that was the whole purpose of our hanging out. And he was like, he made a point. He was like, I don't know if I want to be baptized because I would be the only one in my family that would be in the celestial kingdom. Like my whole family, like they drink alcohol. They're never going to stop doing that. They're they're Italian. They're not going to give up their wine. And like, maybe I will, and maybe I'll go to the special kingdom, but my family won't be there. So like, do I really want to get baptized? Because what would heaven be without my family? And I was like, oh, yeah, I was like, that's a good point. I haven't. And I was like, well, you know, you can like jump back and forth and like visit them. Like you can go visit them. They just can't come visit you. Like I had all these weird thing though. That's specific. And like futuristic and weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's so like something like my five-year-old would say of like, yeah. well, what if we just jumped to the planet? Yeah. You know? Like, and I'm not trying to like infantilize like infantilize no. or anything like that. Like it just is as on the other side, it's like that's a kind of a weird thing to say. And then when I was in it, I was like, well, dadoy, like Yeah. <laughs> of course. Mm-hmm. So back to the post, she goes we're drowning out all of these good parts. Like by talking about why we choose to leave because of the bad bishops and the mean ladies, we're totally skipping over all these good parts, like pulling weeds for widows and saying prayers and families can be together forever and Jesus. And she goes, I choose to stay not because I'm brainwashed, but because I'm worried what people will think if I don't go or because I'm afraid of a sin or just want blessings from being obedient. Not that obedience and blessings work like a vending machine, but sometimes we make it sound that way. I stay an active member of the church because I want to be. Being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ fills my soul with love and purpose. My spirituality connects me to heaven and it makes me indescribably happy. There are plenty of cultural beliefs and judgmental tendencies going among members that I hate, but my spirituality is between me and God. And I know this is the church because by their fruits, ye shall know them. And the fruits I've experienced make my life as sweet as can be despite. And I may especially be during hard times. So I stay. I have a lot of thoughts on this section. Firstly, I want to acknowledge like her choosing to stay. Like I 100% support that. Like if you choose to stay, I will support you. Good for you. I'm glad that you find a place where you find love and purpose and spirituality. I guess my critique of that though is that like you're only welcomed into this love and purpose and spirituality if you fit a very certain mold. And that this whole post is missing the point. 
again, I've said this multiple times, people don't leave because of the mean people in the church, the culture. They leave because the doctrines exclude them. The doctrines exclude them. And she says, by their fruits, ye shall know them. That line in and of itself was why I left the church. Because I was like, by their fruits, ye shall know them. By their fruits, ye shall know them. Okay, they exclude LGBTQ. They're racist. They take 10% of my money. They have child brides. They have all of these things. And I was like, well, those are bad fruits. Those are very bad fruits. And that was the foundation of it. Maybe now it has evolved to a place where there are these organizations set up that do good, which, yes, I 100% believe there is good that happens within those organizations. I stayed for a long time because of that. But when I called my bishop, so for me, I am like a very all-in or an all-out person. And so even though I went through probably like three years of questioning things, I did all of the things while I was there. Like I had the temple recommend. I did all the things. I was even in the Relief Society presidency. Like I was trying to change it, you know, from within. So I was like really doing a lot. The last straw hit and I was like, okay, I should call the bishop and tell him that I'm not doing this anymore. He should release me from the Relief Society presidency. So I call him, I tell him under other circumstances, I probably wouldn't have said anything, didn't feel a need to call a bishop. But because I like had this calling, I was like, I should probably tell him that I'm not going to do this anymore. Which for those of you who don't know, like all of church bishops, people who give like the speeches on Sundays, the whole church is ran, nobody is paid, it's all volunteer which in a way is kind of nice to be like, yeah, everyone's volunteering their time, but also like people put in a lot of time and effort that they should probably be compensated for. Yeah, um, a lot of issues with the non-paid clergy and the untrained clergy. It's Yes, it's, a lot, it's a lot. But like I called my bishop and I told him, I was like, I'm leaving. And he was like, well, where are you going to go? And he just like had silence. He goes, well, where are you going to go? And I was just at a place where I was just building up the courage to leave. I hadn't even thought, oh, I'm researching these other churches. Like I wasn't going to tell him that I'm researching paganism and witchcraft. Like he would have blown his mind if I said that. But I was like, does it matter where I go? And he was like, you're going to be all alone. Like, where are you going to go? Oh, that is so culty. Yeah. And I was like, what? Anyways, so this line that she uses, by their fruits, you shall know them. She uses that to say, I stay because of the fruits. And I find that a bit ironic because I think a lot of ex-Mormons would use the same exact word to justify why they're leaving. It's ironic to me that, you know, I said this already all of these things are not surprises. Like the racism, the homophobia, the way the church takes your money. Like, you know those from the time you were probably five, seven, eight. I think that it's ironic that you see all of those things, understand that they're problematic, and still choose to be part of this organization and pay money to it. Yeah, I think it's also more evidence of how high demand and culty the organization is because I think a lot of people have issues with those things and manage to stay for a really long time. 
it's a weird thing. And it takes a lot of courage and a lot of energy and like personal empowerment to finally leave. Mm -hmm. And it's not like, like you were saying, like it took me all that courage I had to even like call this bishop. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a weird thing to me because like when I think about cults and stuff, I'm like, it's a weird thing because like people who get sucked into them, like they're a victim. But then they also become a perpetrator. Mm -hmm. So it's not this black and white way of thinking where like growing up Mormon, that's kind of like how I grew up, very black and white. So it's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with this? Like Mm -hmm. this person is both a victim and a perpetrator. And I think that's the whole frustration with this conversation that's happening in the Mormon community right now is like, it's frustrating because this girl is saying, I hear you, I support you, I love you. And then to just like jump to the very end, I'm just going to read her last thing. She says, and if you've left, I love you. I promise I don't judge or even think about what you wear or what you drink. Tell me about your time at the nightclub. Or if you're gay, tell me about your partner. I want to know you and love you for you. I genuinely want you to live your life in a way that makes you feel whole. I pray for your healing because I know leaving isn't easy. All I feel is love. Yeah, it just, it's it's hard to hear her open up being like, I love you. Thanks for sharing. I've learned so much, but I'm going to continue to invalidate all of your questions, all of your concerns, and still uphold this system that I do know is problematic, but I do love you. Tell me about your life. Give me all the details so that I can use it against you and word counsel. It feels very gossipy to say that that last section where she's like, and also it tells me she doesn't know anyone personally that has left the church because Mm -hmm. I don't drink alcohol. Mm -hmm. I've never been to a nightclub. Yeah. I would never tell this random ass lady about a partner (laughs) partner. that I had. (laughs) Also, like, is this the one where she talks... Oh, no, there was some other thing floating around on Twitter for a while that was like, I don't care if you wear a thong. It's like, that's weird. That's really (laughs) weird to say. (laughs) I don't know. It comes across as gossipy. And also, it reminds me of when I was in the church and my husband was out and I was kind of grappling with a lot of things. And I have a friend that I met in the MTC that left the church because she's gay and she brought her girlfriends and we like hung out. and. I remember like giving myself almost like emotionally, mentally giving myself like a gold star because I'm like, I have a gay friend. See, I'm not homophobic. So I feel like that is possibly, I I don't know this person, that's possibly where she's coming from as a way to be like, I know I'm part of this organization that treats LGBTQ people horribly, but if you be my gay friend, I'll feel better about it because obviously I'm not homophobic because I have a gay friend. Yep. And like, To remind everyone, the very first slide that she posts is my thoughts on church culture and why I stay. So she's framing all of this as a cultural issue where ex-Mormons are saying it's not a cultural issue. This is a doctrine issue, which brings up like, what is the difference of church culture and church doctrine? Is there a difference? If so, what is that? Because I think at the end of the day, that's where everybody is getting confused mm-hmm. is there are people who are like, these are cultural things. So just overlook them because of God. I love God and there's good things here. 
And then there's other people that are like, no, these are doctrine things. And I I don't want to be part of an organization that at its core beliefs are contrary to things that I believe. And I, I hear that you're saying you believe too, in a way. This lady's coming from a very privileged place because she fits into the culture. She's not gay. I mean, that we know of. Mm-hmm. She hasn't said anything about it. She's like the perfect Mormon person. So when she's like, you know, I'm just going to stay. It's like, well, that's coming from a very privileged place that you're doing that. And it's discounting a lot of people's experiences. And with the culture versus doctrine thing, it's like, well, where does the culture come from? You don't just magically feel a little weird about speaking up in church council. Church council is like the leadership people in a congregation. So there's like the bishop and then some of his like helper people, secretary type people. Then there's a lady that's in charge of the women's organization. There's a lady that's in charge of the children's organization. Then there's a bunch of other men that are involved, like leaders of other organizations. And I've been in those meetings where I'm like, you know, I need to maybe not talk so much, either as like a leader person or as a missionary when I was in those meetings. And even when I was a kid and we had meetings like that, that were kind of for kids to talk with the bishop, it was kind of like you're in charge of a small section of the youth. And I remember getting shot down by the bishop at times. But the thing is, like, people can say, well, like, well, my bishop doesn't shoot me down in those meetings. So you shouldn't feel bad about speaking up. But it's like, well, the leadership said, I think in some conference talk or something, was it it might have been Ballard, he was pretty much like, women, don't take up too much time in these meetings, don't be shrill or something. He used some type of really rude word like that and was basically like just be quiet you're just gonna sit there and just be quiet and it's like well okay so like I'm having this personal experience where I just instinctually know I probably shouldn't talk in this meeting but I don't really know why I feel like I shouldn't talk in that meeting I can't point to any one thing so that feels very culturally right of like I don't know why I feel like that but I just do so well in the fact that I have had the exact same experience but in different congregations. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, that's, that was probably a culture thing. I think that's how it gets branded of like these interpersonal things where it's like, well, where did that even come from? That's weird. But then it's like, okay, well, leadership said that like at the top, top level of the church. Okay. So wouldn't that be considered doctrine then? And then also on top of that, I will never be a bishop. These women who are shrill in these meetings are never going to be in charge. So she doesn't really have anything that she can do. It's all mixed together because it's like, well, you have hardcore doctrine that women cannot be priesthood holders. They cannot pass the sacrament, which is, you know, like a priesthood duty. They can't heal sick people with their priesthood power. They can't do any of these things. And then it trickles down into, I probably shouldn't talk much in this interaction. And then on the flip side, growing up, I always thought that like it was bad to be a woman working. I thought that was like, the worst thing you could do to have, quote unquote, someone else raise your kids, which now that I have a kid and am a person that works, that's not true. Anyways, so now I'm in work and I always thought that like the world was this evil place that I wasn't going to be treated well. And now I'm in work meetings and I'm respected and people will stop the meeting and be like, hey, Ivy, I would really love to hear your perspective on this because, you know, they don't say the next part, but what they mean is like, I respect your opinion. You have 
a lot of value here. You're qualified. You do really hard work. You know, that's kind of what they're saying. And they, they'll pause the meeting to find out what I think. And I've never experienced that at church ever. And when you're Mormon, that's your whole world. Mm-hmm. So if you are following their life to a T as a woman, you are not working. So you've never experienced being in a leadership meeting with men and them respecting you. So you just think that's the way the world is because all you do is you go to church and you stay home with your kids. And like on top of that, I remember I've always been someone who asks a lot of questions most of the time without malintent. Like it's just like I'm genuinely curious about things. So whenever I would be in these meetings, I would be like, asking hard questions. And whenever I did ask a hard question, it would always be dismissed in one way or another. Like, oh, you know what, Sister Wilping, that's a good question. Let's, let's, let's discuss it. Let's think about it. But there was never like no follow up. Ever. No. And it was always just like, oh, we hadn't thought of that. We hadn't thought of that. Oh my gosh, that's a good question. I guess there's no think answer for that. And they just like pat, it's like a little pat on the head. Yeah, like, but good I, for you for, for speaking up. It's like a, a kind of condescending pat on the head and like, all right, we're going to get back to the meeting now. Yeah. That's the vibe I always get with something like that. Yeah. Anyway, so her whole thing is that she's saying that it's cultural. Mormons are saying it's a doctrine thing. And I think that that's where the point is being missed with this post and why there's being so much discussion on it. I also think a lot of people who are maybe in the progressive Mormon space who feel a little bit attacked by these conversations where we're talking about facts, um, maybe get a little bit pricked by it. Like, oh, that hurts. Like you're, you're poking at this thing that's like really, really special to me. And like, I know what that feels like. Like it is an attack on your spirituality. But like when you're part of the Mormon church, there is no differentiation between your personal relationship with deity, the culture of the church and the doctrine. It is all one. It is all one. And so, yes, these conversations are going to hurt you because I validate your spirituality 100%. And I validate whichever book of scripture you choose to use, like, go for it. I'm not going to discriminate, but like, you are part of an organization that has historically discriminated a lot of people and there is active abuse happening in this church and like children at the age of eight are being brainwashed into joining a cult that's problematic. There should be some discussions about that. And like, that is not healthy. So you saying that you're sad that people are leaving the church because of culture, that's not why we're leaving. And hardly anybody is saying that. Ivy did her poll, 200 people. Of 200 people, what was it? Like 70% were like, I left because of doctrine. But let's not focus on those things. Let's right. let's let's not focus on those things. Just focus on the good things. The good things. And a lot of those good things are tied to weird things that are just a little weird. Like all those kids that are doing service projects. It's like, yeah. Well, why are they part of your organization? Oh, cuz they didn't really have a choice to get baptized or not. Yeah. And now they're kind of stuck. They're and used they as child had- labor? Yeah. 
that's I saw a documentary keep sweet uh, you know it reminded me of that kind of reminded me yeah. how they would like ship their boys to like do construction work in different places to like build giant buildings yep kind of kind of weird okay so it was 281 people voted and for people who know my following is like a mix between witchy pagan occult people and ex-mormons so this would only be ex-mormons that were voting on this so it was 281 people voted 53.4 percent voted it was exclusively church doctrine of why they left and then 12.8 percent voted that it was exclusively church culture for why they left so like it's not 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 a thing like i'm not gonna say that that's not the thing i do not like the mean bishops but anyways, that, I think that's why this post is receiving so much backlash from the ex-Mormon community. And if you've made it this far and you're like genuinely one of these people that wants to join in the discussion, like thank you for listening because I think this is where our frustration kind of comes through is that like sometimes active members who are in the church say, I love you, I support you. But then we get labeled as being like angry ex-Mormons when really we feel misunderstood and like a little gaslit because they're like we're looking at the same facts and coming to different conclusions, which everyone is entitled to. But it just there's so much irony happening within the doctrine that it's just like, wait, what do you actually believe? Like, what do you actually believe? Because I can't tell. Another thing also, if, you know, there are members listening to this that are engaging in this conversation, there's also a lot of thought-stopping techniques that we're seeing in this post that I think are very common in Mormonism. Because I think the average person in Mormonism is a really good person. They're trying to be good. They're trying to be kind to people. You know, if they see the, the mean lady in Relief Society, they might come up to you afterwards and be like, wow, she's kind of rude. I'm really sorry that happened to you. Do you want to go get lunch? Like I've been in congregations like that where overall the people are really good people, but it's like, it's uncomfortable. There's a lot of discomfort with talking about some of these things. And I think some people react with like defense of like this lady who's like, let's just not talk about that stuff. Let's just focus on the good stuff. And I think if you really want to understand people who have left and like have that active dialogue with them, you will have to be brave enough to be uncomfortable. And I think the additional irony to this, just like to hit it home, is that I was looking at her Instagram and like her post has blown up. She doesn't have that many followers. I think at the beginning, she maybe had like 2K or something. I think she's up a few thousand followers because like, it's made its round in the Mormon community, which we know is, is far and wide. And she's getting people who are like supporting her and resharing and saying, thank you for sharing this. This is exactly how I feel. And then there are people like me and Ivy and a few other people in the like post-Mormon community that are like, let's talk about this because that's not our experience personally. And it's really interesting because she's made a few posts since this has gone viral 
just being like, thank you guys so much for the support. Like, I'm so glad to have like-minded individuals in my life. Welcome to my blog kind of thing. And I'm just like, so there's more evidence that she's not interested she's not, in that dialogue. Exactly. So it's just like, do, do you want to talk about, like you made this very big sweeping post that you preface saying, I'm learning so much from you. I'm going to continue learning, but you're only listening to the people who are validating your thoughts and opinions when the whole conversation is about us, like leaving, <laughs> like right. you're talking about us. Like you're, you're making it about you. Yeah. 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 It's, and it's like, I wouldn't have a whole podcast episode on this because I, Ivy and I talked about this before. Like I'm in this place in my post-Mormonism where like, I just don't care anymore. Like, I'm just like, yeah, that was who I was. It was what I believed. And like, I did go through an angry phase, but like, I'm not going to let that rob my present happiness and joy. And like, I have found so many things outside of Mormonism that fulfill that spirituality that I needed. Like we've talked about witchcraft and like getting involved in like mutual aid and like volunteering for organizations and activism and all of these things that I thought were exclusive to the Mormon church. I have found like tenfold outside of the Mormon church and they're with organizations or in ways that I feel very comfortable aligning with that work. I don't know, all that to just say like the Mormon church does not have ownership over these things that you find goodness in the church. You can find spirituality and love and purpose everywhere. I feel confident saying you can find those things everywhere. The Mormon church does not have ownership of that. Yeah, the way things function in Mormonism is like you have a spiritual experience, therefore Mormonism is true. But there's like a disconnect there in my mind, because just because you have a spiritual experience doesn't mean that the church is true. It just means that you had a spiritual experience and you happened to be Mormon at the time. Mm -hmm. And you can create some additional meaning with that if that's beneficial for you. I think maybe that's like probably going down a rabbit hole. But for me, there's a lot of the way that I kind of see the world is like, you know, there's a chance that life could be pointless, but that's fine because I'm going to enjoy it. And then that also means I get to create my own meaning out of things. And like, how fun is that? Mm -hmm. And I get to do that. And I get to customize my whole life and living experience. And it can be just as fulfilling and being outside of an organized religion. Mm -hmm. And I also think like you're talking about like mutual aid, volunteering. I think one of the benefits of being involved with mutual aid is there are some similar programs in Mormonism. But there's not as much like, it's more compassionate in my experience with mutual aid, where like, like I'll follow mutual aid accounts that are local and they're like, hey, come meet your neighbors and pass out ice bags because it's really hot here in Arizona. And in Mormonism, I always felt like they just didn't like poor people. Mm -hmm. I totally agree that there is a lot of those things that you're looking for that are like really great about Mormonism can be found in other places without having to jump through mental hoops without having to deal with like LGBTQ hatred or racism or anything like that. You can find that in other organizations. Yeah. And I also do want to just hop back to like, if you are staying in the church because it works for you, you probably should take a look at your privilege and kind of like deconstruct a little bit. Like why 
the church works for you, but it doesn't work for other people. And are you okay with living that privileged life? Knowing that like there are some kids that end their lives because they are LGBTQ in Utah, in a Mormon family. Are you okay with being in an organization where it benefits you and other people have died because of it? And I can't answer that for you. I hope that you have one answer, but only you can answer that. Yeah. Uh, we we went over a lot of stuff today. <laughs> and this might be the longest episode I've done so far. I love it. I feel like I have rambled about a lot of things, so hopefully that's okay. Yes, because I also love rambling and it's more enjoyable when I have someone to do it with. Like mm-hmm. I, I could have had this whole thing by myself <laughs> and I very well could have gone the same length, but... I really appreciate your insights and like your vulnerability and being able to talk about these things. Yeah, just really grateful for you. And if you made it through the end of this episode and you are just looking forward to continue this conversation, like my DMs are open. I know I have quite a few people who are kind of just like trying to figure stuff out. And as always, I am a safe place to talk about those things. I'm not a licensed professional, so I will never give you advice, but like I can lead you to resources that may help. And like Ivy and I were speaking about at the beginning, you can follow her on Twitter. Are there any other places that people can reach you? I'd say Twitter is my place I'm most active. I have a TikTok, but I I haven't quite figured that out yet. (laughs) So yeah, I know I have one too, and I've been like posting, but I'm like, I don't... What am I doing? I feel weird on TikTok. So it's yeah. fun. It's definitely fun, yeah. but I don't know what I'm doing there. Yeah. So. so maybe one day. Yeah. And I do want to have a more in-depth episode about witchcraft. I will return and report from our night coming up. And if anybody is serious about joining, like we're serious about this, people. Like we're not this be happening. This is not like a- Yeah. We're not doing this for like kicks and giggles. Like this is a serious thing for us. So if you want to learn more about that, Ivy's a a great place to go. And I know that you have resources on your link tree Mm -hmm. to like where people can learn more about witchcraft. So um, there's some FAQs in there. Go to that first because those are the questions I get the most. Thanks everyone for joining. Thank you, Ivy, for joining. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. I'll talk to you in a few weeks. Okay, let's see you then. Okay.